You're listening to So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast about the world of writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm your co-host and CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, where you'll find courses, resources, and a wonderfully supportive writing community. I usually co-host this podcast each week with the very talented Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author extraordinaire. Her latest book is The Wolf's Howl. This is one of our in between episodes where Alison is off doing authory things and we have a story session for you. That's just you, me, and our guest author of the week. In a story session, you'll hear the first chapter of a book we recommend, usually read by the author, along with some discussion on some insights into their writing life and their creative process. So we're bringing the bookshop to you and you don't even have to leave the house. This week, I've chosen The Wattle Island Book Club by Sandy Docker. This is the fourth novel from Sandy, and it's bound to be as fabulously popular as her previous three. Longtime listeners may remember that we spoke to Sandy back in episode 323 when The Banksia Bay Beach Shack had just come out, which was her third novel. And before that, she published The Cottage at Rosella Cove and The Kookaburra Creek Cafe. Here's the blurb for her latest novel, the Wattle Island Book Club. In 1950, teenager Anne flees Wattle Island for the big city, where she learns that establishing the life she's always dreamed of isn't as easy as she thought. When a secret she's been keeping is discovered, she has no choice but to retreat home and live a quiet life. But when tragedy strikes, establishing the Wattle Island Book Club is the only thing that offers her solace. In 2018, spirited librarian Grace has been writing bucket lists since she was a child and is ticking off as many challenges as she can now that life has handed her a hefty dose of perspective. Heading to Wattle Island on one of her adventures, she is determined to uncover a long-held mystery surrounding the town's historic book club, unlocking a buried truth that has been trapped between the dusty pages of secrecy for years. All too aware of how fragile life is, Anne and Grace must come together to help the residents of Wattle Island find the bravery to move beyond the trauma that tore the book club apart. Budding relationships offer new hope, along with a library project for the town's future, but it will take more than a few lively literary debates to break the silence and heal the past. Welcome to the Wattle Island Book Club, where some chapters may end, but others are just beginning. And before we hear Sandy reading the opening chapter of her book, she answers some of my questions about her writing process. I think you'll love the inspiration for this one. She also talks about the Northern Beaches Readers Festival, which I'm so excited about because I live in the Northern Beaches, which just to be clear, when she, the ones she talks about is going to be held in 2022. So here is Sandy Docker reading from her novel, The Wattle Island Book Club. Hi, I'm Sandy Docker and I'm the author of the Wattle Island Book Club. Valerie asked me to record the answers to some questions before I narrate the first chapter. So here goes. Question one, what inspired you to write this story? I think this is the first time I've had a really good origin story for one of my books, so I'm very pleased to tell it. A couple of years ago, I was on tour for my debut novel, The Kookaburra Creek Cafe, and I was at Port Macquarie Library. And after the event, I was chatting to the librarian there, Leanne Wright. She was telling me how book clubs had been really popular in Port Macquarie and that she even had a book club on Lord Howe Island that she had to send the box of books over to on the supply boat. 
that serviced them. She also went into some detail about her personal life and it was a really inspiring story. When I was driving after the event from Port Macquarie up to Coffs Harbour for my next event, I couldn't stop thinking about a book club on an island and a librarian with a really inspiring story. So when I got to Coffs, I messaged Leanne and I said, do you think I can write this story? I think there's something in it. She gave me her blessing and that was the beginnings of the Wattle Island Book Club. Now, obviously, I changed everything about it. It is not about Lord Howe Island. Wattle Island is a completely fictional place with completely fictional characters. And Grace, the librarian in the Wattle Island Book Club, while inspired by Leanne's story, takes a very different journey to Leanne. And I'm so pleased with how it's come together. And I am so grateful to Leanne for sharing her story with me. Question two, you've organised the first ever Northern Beaches Readers Festival in Sydney. Can you tell us a bit about the festival? I'm so excited about the Northern Beaches Readers Festival. It's been a passion project of mine for a couple of years now. And together with an amazing committee, we have created what we think is a festival that readers will love to come to. We have assembled an amazing array of Australia's favourite commercial authors from the genres of crime, romance, women's fiction, domestic noir, saga, all in one place. Obviously, COVID has given us a few missteps along the way, but we are forging ahead with the festival for September next year, the weekend of the 23rd to the 25th of September. Pop that in your diaries and come along to what will be an amazing festival built for readers. Question three, can you describe your writing process? <laughs> I'm laughing because I think the use of the word process might be a misuse of the word. I'm not sure I have a process as such. I, I kind of wish I did. I am a pantser which in the industry means fly by the seat of your pants. So I do not plot my novels, which, you know, can be a blessing and a curse at the same time. It means I have no idea where I'm going when I start, but it also gives me the freedom to go wherever the story takes me. What usually happens, if you can call it a process, is that I have an idea or a scene in my head, and that might be a scene from anywhere in the finished book. It could be at the beginning, the middle, the end. And I just start writing with that scene and getting to know the characters and the place a little better. And I see where it takes me. And usually once I'm around 20, maybe 30,000 words in, and I've got a bit more of a handle on who and what I'm dealing with, then I start to do a tiny little bit of plotting to help me get there. It's... Um, it's a slapdash approach, I guess, but it's one that works for me. And I think if your regular listeners listen to these questions from every author, they will learn that there is no one way to write a book and you have to do what suits you the best. Question four, what was the most challenging aspect of writing this book? I think for me, the most challenging aspect of writing the Wattle Island Book Club was finding the balance between light and dark. Any of my readers will know that I do tend to tackle some fairly heavy subjects 
in my work, but I do it in a way, I hope at least, that is still uplifting and full of hope. And when I was writing the Wattle Island Book Club, I kind of got a bit stuck in the darkness of some of the themes that came up in it. And it was a bit of a, a tricky road for me to find my way back to the joy of what people recognise as a Sandy Docker novel. And it was after a few conversations with my publisher and a few brainstorming sessions that I found the one thing that I could hook on to that for me found the joy in my characters and that turned the book around. Um, but that's a really good lesson, I think, for any writers out there who are listening you know, sometimes we do go down a slightly wrong path when we're writing and having that collaboration with people who know you and understand you as a writer that can help you bring you back on track. Question five, what was the most rewarding aspect of writing this book? Kind of ties into question four, really. The most rewarding aspect of writing this book was when I did find that spark of joy that I needed to turn the book around. And I think like uh, raising children, you know, that the more difficult it is to raise the children, the better they turn out in the end. And I'm hoping that's the case with the Wattle Island Book Club, that even though I did go down that dark path and had to bring it back, that I think the finished product um, is one of, of joy and heart and one that I'm really proud of. So I think being able to turn it around and make it a book that I'm very proud to put out into the world is probably the most rewarding aspect of it. Question six, what are your top three tips to aspiring writers? The first tip, and it's my top, 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 top tip, is one that sounds really obvious, but you'd be surprised how few people actually grasp it. And that is write, 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 write. You cannot publish a work of fiction if you don't ever finish it. No agent or publisher will look at an unfinished manuscript from an aspiring writer. And the number of people I meet when I do talks or who I meet online that tell me they want to be a writer and they've got this really great idea for a book, but they never get past the first chapter is really quite surprising. So my first tip is to write, write, write. And it's not going to be perfect when you write it. Don't get hung up on perfection. Um, you know, my own story here about the Waddle Island Book Club and how I had to turn it around, you know, this is my fourth book. It won't be perfect, but you have to write it in order to fix it. My second tip would be to read widely, read within the genre that you're writing, but also read outside of that genre. You can learn a lot from the way other genres tackle plot and character. And the more widely you read, the better your own voice will become. And then my third tip would be to learn as much about the industry as you can before you even start querying. And doing courses through the Australian Writer Centre is something that I did to help me understand the industry, not just the courses on craft, but the courses on how to write a synopsis, how to pitch your work, what publishers are looking for. Those sorts of courses really helped me. And I remember when I got called in to Penguin and had the first meeting with the lady that would become my publisher. And the fact that I was so knowledgeable about how the industry worked, I think made a huge difference to the fact that she ended up saying yes to me in the end. 
So there's my three tips. Now I'm going to narrate to you the first chapter of the Wattle Island Book Club. Standing on the edge of the cliff, Grace Elliott turned her face to the sky. Her heart beat hard against her chest, sweat dripped down her brow. She closed her eyes and drew in a deep breath. The air was cool, salt teased her taste buds. Far beneath her, the water flowed silently, at least from this far up. All she had to do was let go, release the grip of pain and heartache that had smothered her for so long. Opening her eyes, she looked down to the blue-black river that cut a deep scar from the Pacific Ocean in the east into the nearby mountains at the edge of the Great Dividing Range, then across to the grey rocks to the other side of the valley. Grace knew the jagged stones and boulders below were far away, yet they seemed too close. Her hands began to tremble as she stepped further out onto the metal platform. It swayed ever so slightly as she adjusted her weight, the clang of her boots on the perforated steel ringing in her ears. Just breathe, the instructor said. Breathing was something Grace had mastered over these past few years. She drew in the crisp, fresh air, the faint taste of eucalyptus catching at the back of her throat. Despite what people said, she wasn't brave. She simply hid her fear well, buried it under false smiles and fake words that others needed to hear. She wasn't sure false smiles would help in her current predicament, though, a predicament she'd willingly got herself into. But today was it, her last stand. Pain and fear had taken so much from her until now. This was Grace Elliott's definitive line in the sand. The soft voice of the instructor whispered in her ear, are you ready? With a slight tilt of her head, she nodded. Then she threw her arms out to the side and flung herself into the autumn's cool embrace. Wind whooshed past her ears ever so fast, locking out all other sound. A kaleidoscope of tumbling colour rushed around her, a blur of green and brown and blue speeding in and out of her vision. She tried to swallow, but her mouth was dry. Bracing cold water kissed the top of her head just as she jolted up, her body flinging back in the other direction. Up, up, she flew and back down. The river red gums that liked to hug the waterways in this part of New South Wales came into focus first as her body slowed, they were the, though they were the wrong way up, up, then down. Then the silver platform from which she had hurled herself sharpened in her vision, the blue sky bright and clear above. Autumn skies were Grace's favourite. The thick elastic rope biting into her ankles steadied and cheers reached her ears as she swung back and forth, water dripping from her close-cropped hair as she hung upside down above the river. Woohoo! Way to go! Blood charged through her veins and she screamed, joy rushing through her every pore. For the first time in ever so long, she felt alive. Sitting on the riverbank, Grace ran her hands through the sun-warmed grass as she watched and cheered on the rest of the group as they bungee-jumped from the platform one at a time. As each jumper made it back to ground safely, they also sat along the bank in twos or threes, chatting to each other in between jumps. Other than Lynn, who'd come with her, Grace didn't know any of their names, but she shouted for them anyway. As a newcomer to the group, they knew nothing about Grace and she hoped she could keep it that way. That was at least, she supposed, within her control, unlike so many other things. She could tell them what she wanted, should anyone bother to ask, and leave out anything she liked. 
An old lady with short lilac curls was last on the rope and a cry of cowabunga echoed down the valley as the woman threw herself off the platform. A streak of bright orange and navy velour hurtling towards the river, arms flailing in joyful abandon. How awesome is she? Lynn plonked herself down beside Grace, her jump now complete. She shook her long hair, spraying Grace with drops of river water. Lucky she was Grace's best friend. And what do you reckon her story is? Lynn's dark eyes glinted. This was a game they played often, making up life stories of strangers they observed. Grace rubbed her chin. Hmm, ex-French Foreign Legion for sure, or maybe a Cold War spy. Lynn pulled her knees up to her chest and hugged them. Oh yes, that's better. Her code name is Olga Romanov. She's retired now, of course. Of course. But she needs the occasional adrenaline fix after a life of excitement. So now she does crazy adventure sports. Her fake husband back on the farm has no idea. Grace smiled. She'd still be in the sky, spy game today if it weren't for an accident on her last job that robbed her of her hearing in her left ear. Pesky gramophone exploding at the ball of a mafia boss. Lynn hit Grace on the leg. Have you ever thought about writing books? Grace asked. Lynn Tran. Lynn spread her hands through the air as if her name were up in lights. First Vietnamese Australian to win the Booker Prize. She collapsed in laughter, falling into Grace. Grace put her arm around her. She didn't know how she'd have got through the past few years without her. Lynn always managed to bring a smile to Grace's face or keep her calm when she was nervous. Even this morning on the bus trip from Port Madison to the river location of their bungee jump, Lynn reassure, Lynn's reassuring hand on Grace's shaking leg had been the only thing keeping her calm as she stared out of the bus window at the Federation homes and California bungalows of her hometown, melting into the green and brown shadows of the bush. A cool breeze rippled over the water, reflecting fractured shards of soft light along the riverbank. From somewhere hidden in the tall gums, kookaburras laughed. So what did you think? Lynn sat back up. Are you glad I talked you into coming today? Uh, the other way around, I talked you into coming, remember? Ah, tomatoes, tomatoes, Lynn waved her hand in dismissal now. What is important is, did you enjoy the jump? Grace looked up to the clear blue sky. It was amazing. Without doubt, the single most amazing thing I've done in a very long time. But then that wasn't hard. Brilliant. Lynn put her arm around Grace's shoulder. You deserve to suck the marrow out of life. She looked at Grace as she quoted the poem stuck to Grace's computer screen at work, a slight glistening in her eyes. Let's hurry up. She cleared her throat and indicated towards the rest of the group who were heading back to the minibus. She stood and held her hand out to help Grace up. Thank you. Arm in arm, they joined the others. A little way down the road from the bungee site, the bus pulled up outside the River Gum, a tiny pub in one of the forgotten towns dotted around the countryside. Located too far north of Sydney for a day trip, many of these old colonial settlements had languished over the years. Only a few establishments, like, Red, like the River Gum, had managed to adapt and survive, albeit as shadows of their former heyday selves. 
Pristine baskets of yellow, pink, white and purple flowers hung from the rusted iron beams that held a corrugated roof over a faded wooden veranda. Grace's mum would know the name of the pretty little flowers that looked out of place against their rustic backdrop. Impatience, pansies. Grace had never been interested in learning about her mother's favourite hobby. Perhaps she should add it to her current bucket list. Grace made a mental note to ask her mum about maybe starting a small garden in her front yard. What was one more task on Grace's ever-increasing list of dreams and wishes and activities? She'd made her first bucket list when she was seven. Her uncle Craig had put her up to it. Grace, it's good to have dreams. Big ones to chase your whole life, little ones you can easily conquer. And if you write them down, it's more likely you'll catch them before you kick the bucket. Back then, Grace hadn't understood why anyone would want to kick a bucket and why you had to chase your dreams before you did. But she worshipped her Uncle Craig and with yellow crayon on a piece of blue paper she took from her mum's craft stash, she wrote her very first bucket list. Grace Elliott's bucket list, age seven and one half. Eat cupcakes for breakfast, join the babysitter's club, paint hair pink, solve a mystery like Nancy Drew would. On the morning of her eighth birthday, she'd sneaked into the kitchen and opened the Tupperware container full of chocolate cupcakes decorated with hundreds and thousands her mum had baked the night before and scoffed five of them for breakfast. She'd been pleased with herself that she'd got so many down before her mum padded into the room in her blue fluffy dressing gown. Her self-satisfied grin had soon turned green though as, she, as the cupcakes churned and then ejected themselves from her stomach. After a lie down and some dried toast for lunch, little Grace had felt better. So she'd stomped into the laundry and kicked the red plastic bucket that lived there, hard. Stupid bucket and its stupid list. But what if Uncle Craig was right? What if once you kicked the bucket, the list of dreams disappeared? She'd raced back into her room and crawled under her bed where she'd kept her crayon list. Uncle Greg had said it was bad luck to show your list to anyone and she'd hidden it there between the slats of her bed and the mattress. She'd rested her head on the bed. Her list was still there. With a purple crayon, she'd put a tick beside eat cupcakes for breakfast, just like the one she had put next to paint hair pink, grimacing at the memory of her mum's loud screams when she'd found Grace in the bathroom a few months before the cupcake incident, the tube of pink paint in her hand, pink drips falling down her shoulders. Studying her list, then eight years old, she'd realised she wasn't all that interested anymore in joining the babysitter's club, but she still very much wanted to solve a mystery. The problem with that one was she couldn't find any, not in Port Madison. Maybe she'd need to move to River Heights and befriend Nancy to make that happen. Maybe that was one of those chase your whole life dreams Uncle Craig had always spoken about. Having swapped her purple crayon for orange, Grace had made some changes. Grace Elliott's bucket list, age eight. Eat pancakes on the roof. Only one or two pancakes, she'd learned her lesson. Meet Corey from Boy Meets World. Play netball for Australia feed a panda, study how Nancy Drew solves mysteries and move to River Heights. The memory of her early bucket lists brought a smile to Grace's lips as she got off the bus. Every couple of years since then, she tweaked the list. 
changed it, added new items. Well, nearly every couple of years. Bungee jumping had been added two years ago and it had taken this long to build up the courage, among other things. As the rest of the group piled out of the bus, laughing, trying to outdo each other with tales of how hard their hearts had been beating as they'd flung themselves from the platform, Grace held back and took out her phone. She snapped a photo of the pub's exterior, the bright mixed with the broken, and filed it in her album named Life's Little Moments. The album she never showed anyone, her own private record of how beautiful and fragile life was. Inside, the pub was in much better condition than the rusted exterior would lead passers-by to believe. The booths with wooden tables and brown leather chairs were clean and appeared to have been refurbished recently. And the woodwork of the sash windows was well varnished. In the back corner was a wide bar wrapped in a patchwork of corrugated iron in various shades of distress that appeared to be deliberate. This was where the bungee group gathered around a pop-up banner. The Moore logo was emblazoned across the top in blue and white and aqua. Its motto, get more out of life, splashed across the left corner. Uncle Craig would have approved of that if he was still around, and he would have approved of this revitalised go-getter Grace too. A list of Moore's activities spilled down the banner like a movie credit roll. Skydiving, rock climbing, kite surfing, spelunking, Grace would have to look that one up, and friendship. Friendship. Well, she wasn't sure there was room for that in her new action-packed plan for life. She was here for the adrenaline, the surge of life that ran through her as she jumped off a metal platform tied to a rope. She was here for the chance to feel alive again. And besides, she had Lynn. She looked around the group. It was unlikely she'd find any new kindred spirits among the motley band of adventures anyway. Romanov, her lilac-tinted hair standing on end in all directions, was at the bar holding a champagne flute, her sun-spotted pinky finger delicately poised midair. She was talking to a thick-set man, perhaps in his 70s, the guy who jumped first, and Grace was fairly certain Romanov was flirting with him. There were others there around Grace's age, talking loudly and taking selfies in a tight group close to the bar. A couple, maybe they were, they were a couple, Grace wasn't sure, they could have been siblings as they did look quite a bit alike, were arguing quietly at the edge of the group. No one else seemed to notice the tiff, but one thing life had taught Grace recently was the power of observation. It helped pass the time during the endless waits and uncertainty and kept her amused when little else did. One of the group leaders was handing out beers to anyone who didn't have one yet, his head bobbing happily. He handed one to Grace, but Lynn intercepted it, passing Grace a sparkling water. Thanks. Grace knew Lynn always had her back. In time gone by, Grace would have loved nothing more than a glass of cold beer after an exciting day out like this. But she hadn't had a taste for beer or any alcohol since, well, since long enough that she didn't want to think about it. That was the old Grace. The new Grace found other joys in life now. The rest of the group splintered into pairs and trios, sitting in booths on stools. Some ordered potato wedges, some talking about future adventures planned, some reminiscing about previous exploits. Grace sunk onto a stool at the bar, Lynn beside her. So what about that guy? 
Lynn asked, pointing to a bald man in his 60s. What's his story? A post-breakup refugee desperately seeking something of the man that existed before his ex took his soul from him? Ah, for sure. And him? Grace asked, indicating the man enthralled in Romanov's presence. Broad shoulders, chiseled jaw, serious face. Hmm. His name's Billy, but we don't call him that. It's William. He hates Billy. Lynn's eyes narrowed. He's an ex-SAS from England. Those two have a lot in common, she winked. Grace nearly spat out her water, trying not to laugh. They continued imagining the lives of the Moore members, including one count of being fired from a job, one count of adultery, and one count of a gambling debt leading to financial ruin. The whole time, though, Grace couldn't take her eyes off Romanov. Can you imagine us doing this sort of thing at her age? Grace asked. How old do you reckon she is? If she had to guess, Grace would say the old duck was in her 80s. Not that her guess could be trusted. She was painfully aware of how life could sometimes swindle the years away from someone. I don't know. Maybe we should ask her. What? Go up and ask straight out? We couldn't. We're not that rude. There was a twinkle in Lynn's eye. We can be anyone we like here, even busybodies. Oh, no, she wouldn't. Excuse me, Lynn waved to Romanov to get her attention. My friend and I would like to ask you something. Oh, yes, she did. No, we wouldn't, Grace slapped Lynn's arm down. It's okay, dearie, Romanov said. I'm an open book. Not too many secrets this lot have from one another. Grace really hoped that wasn't true. She didn't want this group knowing her secrets. She wanted to be normal. Plain, old, boring Grace as normal as anyone else going. No baggage, no history, simply living life. As false a bravado as that might have been. Out with it, Romanov raised a gnarled finger, beckoning a response. Ah, to hell with it. Lynn was right. Today, Grace could be anyone she wanted, even a busybody. Um, well, you were amazing today, and I was, well, wondering, how old are you? She couldn't believe she'd come out and asked like that. A look of serenity passed over Romanov's face. Dearie, I'm two husbands, three major wars, five great-grandchildren, three trips to England, and one naked sunrise on a Hawaiian beach old. Huh, what about you? Grace had no response. None. She felt as small and useless as she ever had. And that was saying something. Lynn laughed and raised her glass in salute. Definitely a spy, she whispered. Grace shook her head. It puts life into, into perspective, doesn't it? Stark perspective. Could Grace ever measure her life the way Romanov did? Of course not. She hadn't even had a first husband, let alone a second. She had no children and she'd never been overseas and had certainly never, ever had a naked sunrise anywhere. She'd measured the last few years of her life in specialist appointments and work commitments, not interesting destinations and exotic experiences. But wasn't that why she was here? Why she'd resurrected her bucket list after a few years of letting it slide? To fully experience life like Uncle Craig had always encouraged her to? 
to put her past behind her to close that chapter, to start counting moments instead of minutes, long wasted painful minutes that stole her days and weeks, her years. The Madison Adventure Warriors was Grace putting a little Romanov back into her life. She sat up straighter. Cheers, Lynn clinked her glass with Grace. Cheers. Grace made a mental addition to her bucket list. Naked sunrise on a beach. Well, you have to love the promise of a naked sunrise on the beach. <laughs> love it. I found it interesting that even though it's her fourth book, Sandy felt she had to work a bit harder to find the joy in this one. But you c certainly can't tell. It's another gorgeously written, uplifting tale from one of our AWC alumna. That's right. Sandy is one of our fabulous graduates. You can read all about how she went from stay-at-home mum to stay-at-home mum and published author on our blog. And if you'd love to call yourself a published author one day, there's no time like the present. Dive into our Write Your Novel program, just like the critically acclaimed published author, Margaret Morgan, whose debut novel was The Second Cure. Here's Margaret. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you're serious about completing your own novel manuscript, immerse yourself in our inspiring and motivational six-month program, Write Your Novel. Filled with weekly workshopping and practical lessons, you'll receive advice on structure, dialogue and much more, as well as tips on publishing. The online program fits around your weekly schedule and you'll get extensive personal feedback from your classmates and tutor throughout the program. Margaret Morgan's novel, The Second Cure, is out now through Penguin Books Australia, and it's also being turned into a mini-series. Here's what Margaret says. Hi, my name is Margaret Morgan. I'm an author. Um, I've just had my first novel published and I'm working on my second. I've been a writer all my life, um, either professionally or just for fun, and squeezed into other professions, but um, it's definitely where I'm staying now. I decided to do the course at uh, the Australian Writers' Centre, um, Write Your Novel, the six-month course, when a friend told me about it and I realised it was exactly what I needed at that point to help me get the novel written and to give me the kind of support I needed. I was prompted to take the course specifically because I wanted the kind of encouragement and support that a six-month ongoing course would allow me. The tutor in the course was really fantastic, somebody who's written many, many novels herself and um, is very encouraging and really is good at identifying the strengths and weaknesses in writing. One of the impacts that the course has had on me has been to demonstrate to me that I actually can be a writer, can be a novelist specifically. It has allowed me to make connections that otherwise I wouldn't have been able to make within the industry. And probably one of the best things about it is the writing group that was formed with a bunch of us in that particular course. And that was like, what, three or four years ago. We're still meeting every month and critiquing each other's work. And it's a really valuable thing. Through the course at the Australian Writers' Centre, I discovered that I really could be a novelist. And that was such a revelation to me and such a delight. It was something I'd always wanted and suddenly now I've got it. I would say you really should join the Australian Writers' Centre because... It's staffed by real professionals. It's a really good, well-structured organisation that's got great courses that are practical as well as inspiring. Anyone who's thinking of doing one should really think about it very seriously because it's a very, very valuable organisation and the courses are terrific. 
Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash novel writing. Thanks for listening to this special episode of So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find more details about the podcast and a wealth of writing resources and courses at writerscentre.com.au. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writer Centre. Connect with us on social media at Writer Centre AU on Twitter and Instagram and join our free podcast listener community on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. Both Alison and I will be back to our regular programming in your next episode. Thanks for listening and I look forward to chatting to you again next time.